said that I would give you silver or gold Or that you would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold But I did say you'd never walk through this world alone did say don't make this world your home I never said that fear wouldn't find you in the night or that loneliness was something you'd never have to fight but I did say I'll be right there by your side say I'll always help you find Cause you know I made a promise that I intend to keep My grace will be sufficient in every time of need My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to This is a promise This is a promise friends wouldn't turn their backs on you or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool but I did say like me you will surely be despised and I did say my ways confound the wise said you wouldn't taste the bitter kiss of death or have to walk through chilly Jordan to enter into rest but I did say I'll be waiting right on the other side oh yes and I did say I'll dry every tear you cry you know I made a promise that I'll prepare a place And someday sooner than you think you'll see me face to face And you'll sing with the angels and the countless multitude This is a promise, this is a promise Don't turn to the left or right And in the midst of darkness Let this be your light That hell can't separate us You're gonna make it through This is the promise This is the promise
Wasn't that a beautiful song? Wow, beautiful. That same promise that that songwriter is talking about is a promise to us. He's going to take us through all the way to the heavenly shore. You may not think you're going to make it with all the things you're going through and all the things I'm going through in life. And life is tough. There's many difficulties. But he has promised us, I will come and take you to be with myself. And we can rejoice in that this morning. Today is always a blessed day to be at church on Sunday and to give the Lord the glory that's due to his name. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we pray that you will take the words of your book, the Bible, and apply them to our hearts, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. Please speak to us. We just thank you for this beautiful song, and we pray that we can receive all of your promises, Lord, and, and claim them and be encouraged. And so now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we pray that you will hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that you will be seen, Lord, you will be heard, and that your message will touch our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, it's very amazing. Have you ever seen on TV these infomercials? These, these gadgets, these new creations, these inventors that come up with products to make our life easier? To, to be useful for us around the house. And they say, well, if you order right now for $19.95, you'll get this product. And if you call right now, we'll throw in this and that. And they say from studies that most of these products on TV don't work. They don't work. They don't work well. They're not worth $19.95. They're not worth $9.95. They may not even be worth 95 cents. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. God's principles work, His Word works, and He has a plan that every person, every one of His children can be useful to Him. And that's what's amazing to me, that God loves us so much as to say, I want to use you in your life, where you are in San Ramon, California, where you are going to school, where you're going to work, in your neighborhood. God wants to use us. He could have chosen to use angels to proclaim his message of salvation and give out his word, but he chooses to use us. Finite, feeble, human creatures with all our weaknesses, with all our failures, with all our shortcomings, with all our sins. He loves us and he says, I want to use you for my glory. The title of our message today is Useful to the Master. Useful to the master. As we see from Psalms 8 and verses 4 and 5, how amazing that really is that God would want to use us as human beings like this. The psalmist said, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Think about that. The great God of the universe has says, I love you so much, Carl, and I want to use you to accomplish my purpose. We can be useful vessels. We can be useful in his kingdom if we allow God to have his work in us and through us. And that's what we want to think about today, about how God wants to use us in our lives. I love the dictionary because there's some great definitions there. Bill has his famous dictionary. I have one, too an old one that is really a blessing, but it's called the ne Webster's New World Dictionary, and it defines the word useful as this, 
that can be used to advantage, serviceable, helpful, beneficial, often having a practical value or utility. On the other hand, the word useless means having no use, unserviceable, worthless, ineffectual, of no avail. The choice for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ today is to ask ourselves, is my life useful to the Lord? Is he using me? Or am I on the shelf? Am I set aside? And as I'm, am I not being profitable for the kingdom of God? Because he doesn't choose to use angels. He chooses to use us. He wants to use us where we are to be a blessing for him. Turn with me this morning to the second book of Timothy, chapter 2. Second book of Timothy, chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 19. Paul has written two letters to Timothy. This is the second one. And he gives him instruction on how to be a good pastor, how to live Christ before the people, to show them love, to teach them the word of God, to deal with situations and problems. And here in this chapter, he's talking about workmen that do not need to be ashamed. And he's talking about a house full of God's people that he wants to be used for him. Second book of Timothy, chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then he adds, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Today we've got a great acronym, and I think it'll be easy to remember because it's ACTS. A-C-T. S. And it stands for, if God's going to use us, we have to be these four things. Number one, available. Number two, clean. Number three, teachable. And number four, surrendered. Acts. So I'm going to repeat it throughout the message. Hopefully by the end of the message we'll remember it. It'll be written in our hearts and God will bless us. You know, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never accepted him into your life, you can't be useful for the Master. There's no way. You may live a good life. You may give to the church. You may do a lot of good deeds and be a pillar in the community. But if you don't have Christ, there is no way to please God. The Scripture says without faith it is impossible to please God. You can't please him. You can't be valuable to God unless you're saved. And so by accepting Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, you can be useful to him. A great story of this in the New Testament is in the book of Philemon. We remember the story of Philemon. He had a, a slave named Onesimus, and Philemon was a Christian, Phil and Onesimus was not, and Onesimus served him. Well, one day he decided, I don't want to be under this Christian man anymore. I'm going to run away. And he ran away and he stole some money from Philemon. But where did he end up? He ended up in Rome. And where did he end up? Right where Paul was, probably in jail, because Paul was in jail for his faith in Rome. And so Onesimus got saved. 
God changed his life completely. And his name, which once formally meant useless, now God made him useful. And so Paul writes that little letter of Philemon to, to tell about how Onesimus is no longer now a slave, but he's a dear brother. And I'm sending him back to you. And he's profitable now. He's useful now. And that's exactly what he did. And we can all relate to that because when we get saved and give our lives to Christ, he transforms our lives into something that's worthless, into something that is worthy, into something that is formally useless, into something useful. Before we were unprofitable to God, now we're profitable for him. And so may the Lord help us today to be those servants who are profitable for the master. You look at the different characters of the Bible. You look at people like Abraham and Moses. You look at Joshua and Gideon. You look at Daniel and Jeremiah. You look at Paul and Peter and John. You look at all these men and women and Ruth and Esther and all these different Bible characters. They all had this in common. They had a before and they had an after. Before they were saved, after they were saved. And once they got saved, once they came to know the Lord, their lives were changed and they became useful to the master. And he made the difference in their lives. Yes, we're saved by God's grace. We don't deserve it. But thank God, he loves us and he wants to use us. Well, let's look at our point under A this morning, available. You know, in our society today, we get so busy. We really do. I mean, we have work. We have school. Some of us as adults are going to school. We have activities, hobbies, all these things just pressing our time, busy, busy, busy. The question is, are we too busy to serve God? Are we too busy to be used of God? If we're that busy, we better start cutting out some of those things that are not important compared to being used of the Lord. And the key to being used of the Lord is to be available for Him. You know, that's the amazing thing about Adel and Sylvia. They're not your normal pastor and pastor's wife that have office hours and they say, okay, we'll give you an appointment day for three o'clock. Rick, you come in at four. Uh, Adam, you come in at five. And then we're closing off all the appointments. No, they don't do that. Their house literally is open 24-7. Their phone lines, I can attest to you, are open 24-7 because their hearts are open 24-7 and they love the people of God, they're available to be used of God. They never say to me, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you now. I'm too busy. No, they don't. And God wants us to be like that. He wants us to be available for him so that at any moment's notice, he can use us. To do that, you have to be available. You have to know God's word. You have to be in prayer so that when God can use you, you're ready. You're ready. You're equipped. You're prepared for every good work. And that's the key to it. Someone once said, God is more concerned about our availability than he is about our ability. Because see, when, when you're available, God can give you the ability to do it. He can give you the skill. He can give you the talent. But you have to be available. I have to be available. And it's so sad, when we get to heaven, there's going to be times when there were opportunities that I had to serve the Lord, but I said I couldn't do it. The same thing will be true of all of us. But may God help us to be available where we don't say no. We say, Lord, yes, I'll do it. It's going to cost me. It may cost me my time. It may cost me my money. It may cost me my resources. But I'm going to make myself, Lord, available to be used of you. Not that I'm anything, 
but he's everything. And he fills us with himself so that we can be a blessing to others. If you look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, as we see from the screens, they'll have it in a second. Notice this verse, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God gets all the glory when he can take a lowly person like you and me and fill us with himself and use us. He gets all the glory. It's a blessing. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, he fills us with his word, and he enables us to serve him. I read a story just recently this week in the Daily Bread about how they used to transport olive oil in the days of Paul from southern part of Spain down to Rome. And they put them in these jars of clay. So they take the jars of clay, they put the olive oil in, and they'd ship them there to Rome, and they'd come into Rome. And they used them up. And once the olive oil was gone, they couldn't send them back. So what they did was they took all these old clay pots and they piled them up. And it became a huge pile. And it became like a, like a mountain. And it's still there today where they've taken all these clay pots and they filled them up. 25 million of them. And they were called amphorae, A-M-P-H-O-R-A-E. And it's a man-made hill, and you can still see it. If you go to Rome today, it's along the Tiber River, and there they were. And the early Christians knew from what Paul was writing that those clay pots, they had a purpose, but they were to fill them with olive oil. It wasn't the clay pot that was the value, it was the olive oil inside. And so too, it's not us as his clay pots. We're not what's important. It's Christ in us the hope of glory. That's what's important. It's the only way that he will use us is if we step aside and allow him to work through us. You know, in our modern world today, if you look around about how much money is spent on the outward appearance, beauty, nutrition, exercise, looking good, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should. But what's really important is what's on the inside. Because that's what Samuel told what David's family when they were looking for a new king and they came to David and they looked at all these other sons of David and uh, sons of Jesse and none of them were the chosen one. And they said, he said, look not at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he looks at our heart. He sees if we're willing. He sees if we're available. He sees us right now. And the Lord wants to take our abilities, he wants to take our talents, he wants to take everything, and he wants to use it for his own glory. The problem is, we use it for the things of the world, but we don't use it for the Lord. We give the Lord our leftovers instead of our first fruits. The key in scripture is to give of your best to the Lord. There's a hymn that says, give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Give him your loyal devotion. And so that's what we want to do. We want to give him the best that we have. Paul told the Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 2, 2 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, I'm sorry, Ed, that's my fault. It's 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Sorry about that. It says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. 
I found a little poem that was such a blessing that said, by Philip Clark Brewer that said, God uses what you have to fill a need you could have never filled. God uses where you where you are to take you where you could have never gone. God uses what you can do to accomplish what you could have never done. And God uses you to let you become who you never could have been. That's Him. That's only the Lord. And when I think about how the Lord chooses to use us for His glory, it's amazing to me. It really is. But it starts with being available to Him. Having a willing spirit. Saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'm available, Lord. I like our brother Don. He used to live really close to the church, and if we ever needed anything, he was right there. But you know what? Now he's further from the church, and he's still available anytime we need him. And I love that we have this in our church. And I thank God that we have this one-call system. Last night we got the call about Sharon's father to pray. But it's really good. If there's a need, we can get that message out, and we'll have a huge group of volunteers coming to serve the Lord. People that are available, and God will use us when we're available for Him. So that's the A, available. Are you available to the Lord? Are you available right now if the Lord was to say to you, I want to use you, Sean. I want to use you today. Are you available? Aju, are you available? Sandy, are you available? Are we available for Him? The second thing, and very importantly, not only are we supposed to be available for the Lord, but we're supposed to be clean. God cannot use dirty vessels. How would you like to go to a doctor appointment and the doctor gets out and he gets a dirty instrument out to use on you? You say, I'd rather not. That's bad. <clears throat> Doctors wouldn't think of doing it. Nurses wouldn't think of doing it. Why should we think that God's going to take us up and use us if we're not clean? The scripture says right here in this passage, in verse 21, it says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. We have to be clean. I like what 19th century theologian John Brown said. He wrote a book on the pursuit of holiness too. And, and he said this, he said, holiness does not consist of mystic speculations or enthusiastic fervors, we see that today, or uncommanded austerities. He said it consists of thinking as God thinks and willing as God wills. Is that your desire today? Say, Lord, your will is my will. That's the biggest struggle I have and every Christian has. It's the war that goes on every day. I want my will. I want my way. And God says, do it my way. And usually, if we give in to the Lord, there will not be a struggle. He'll give us that sweet peace. But when we keep struggling and say, I want it, that's the Lord, I want it very much, I know I've got to have it, it's going to have disastrous consequences. We should not accept anything less than His perfect will for our lives. And holiness is a pursuit that we have to make. Look over at verse uh, 22. He says, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yes, God wants to use us. He wants to use us to be a blessing to other people. To do it, we have to be clean. We have to be holy. You cannot entertain any other way. And not only clean on the outside, mostly clean on the inside. 
You know, in the Old Testament, the Pharisees were following this pattern where they would wash the cups and they would clean everything on the outside and they look good, but Jesus said you're like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside are dead men's bones. God is more concerned with what's in me than what's outside me. And he wants to use us for his glory. He, but he wants us to be useful to him. And to be useful, we have to be clean. We have to be holy. That's why there's a hymn that says it's so beautiful. It says, channels only, blessed master, but with all thy love and power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. You know, if you have some pipes and, and they're clear, the water can just flow right through or whatever it is that's flowing, flows right through. But what happens when the pipe gets clogged? It won't go through. Sometimes we've got clogged pipes. The Lord cannot use us when we have clogged pipes. Nowadays, they go in and they test your heart and they want to make sure you don't have any clogged arteries. And some of us have had clogged arteries and have had surgery to open it up and they put a stent in there to hold that artery open so that the blood can flow in properly. But God wants his blessing to flow through us. We have to be clean. We have to be holy. We can't have any clogs. We have to have free movement. So we have number one, A, <clears throat> available. Be available for the Lord. And number two, be clean, be holy for him. And thirdly, be teachable. You know, as, as believers, the one thing that will really stop us more than anything else is pride. Thinking, I don't need to learn. I've, I know it all. I know all the answers. As soon as you ever hear somebody say they know all the answers, they don't know. They don't know. Especially when it comes to the book of the Bible. Because I've studied it for a long time. Adel studied it for many more years. Sylvia has studied it for over 30, right? And served the Lord for many, many years. And they would be the first to tell you the more they know of the word, the more they realize they don't know. Roland Hill used to say it. He was 100 years old and he says, I'm barely scratching the surface of the knowledge of God and his word. So does that mean we should quit trying? No, we should learn the word more. But the more we learn, the more we'll realize we have more to go. We should never think we have nothing more to learn because we do. We're in God's school. We're never going to graduate till we get to heaven. And then he's going to take us through. But ask the Lord this morning, do I have a teachable spirit? Am I willing to take the word of God, listen to it, and obey it, no matter what the, the teaching is that it's given to us, when the counsel that's given to us? God wants to use us. There's a beautiful passage in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, where David made this prayer. And he said, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. What better teacher could you have than the Lord? He's so patient. Remember how he taught Peter and James and John and all the disciples? They weren't very good learners at the beginning, were they? They didn't get the lesson the first time. They didn't get it the second time. They didn't get it the third time. And it wasn't really until the Lord had ascended and sent his Holy Spirit that they finally got it and they went out and turned the world upside down. It was only because of what the Lord can do in us if we're willing to be teachable. But so many times we get proud. We say, I don't need to learn that. We need to learn it. And sometimes we need to relearn it. 
Sometimes you say, well, that's a very simple verse, or that's a very simple message, or we need those simple ones because that's what touches our heart, the simplicity of the gospel, to be teachable, to be trainable. William Ward, who is a very godly man and teacher, said this, and I really like this. How many school teachers do we have here in the audience? I know we have Adam, we have Shauna, who else? We have Kalina, we have Chantel, Emily, right? You're teaching school too, right? Yeah, quite a few teachers. Now, here is a great quote about teachers. Listen to this. The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. I thought, wow, that is so true. I said, I better read that one again. The mediocre teacher tells. The good teacher explains. The superior teacher demonstrates. The great teacher inspires. That's beautiful. If you've ever had a really good teacher, whether it be in college, grade school, high school, whatever, you say, that was a really good teacher. And what makes a really good teacher is that they're very patient to teach you. And they not only teach you, but they show you by their life. And they live it out. And they inspire you. One day I was at, when I was going to college at Cal State Hayward, I took this history class. And I liked history, but some people don't really like history. They think it's boring. That, and so I had a teacher on this class on teaching on the Civil War. And he was an inspiring teacher. He could hold your attention like a, you could hear a pin drop because he was in giving you the knowledge about the period of the Civil War. And it wasn't just words off a of paper. He was speaking because he had passion for it. And when you have a teacher that has passion for it, then you have a really good teacher. It makes it really much easier to learn. And we thank God for the teachers he's given us in our assembly. Teaching us the Word of God. All of us need to learn. We need to sit under them and be thankful for them. Another good thing to when we're thinking about being teachable, how about this? Do you learn from your mistakes? You know, I know that in life, we sometimes make the same mistake twice. We ne rarely make it once. But God wants us to learn from our mistakes. But it said, someone once said, a smart person learns from their mistakes, but a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. And I've been taking that to heart. I've been thinking about that. Wait a minute. Now, it's one thing if I make a mistake and I can learn from it. That is really great. But think about that. If you learn from the mistakes of others, will you make the mistake? Maybe not. So there's a lot of wisdom to that. And if we have a teachable spirit and we keep our eyes open and our ears open and observe things around us, we can learn a lot of blessings to avoid. The Bible is a book of teaching that gives us the positive on what to do and it gives us the negative what not to do. And so may the Lord help us to be teachable, to be pliable, to be moldable, just like the potter that takes the clay in his hands and works it and fashions it. God wants to use us that way. But to do it, we have to be available, we have to be clean, and we have to be teachable. I have a verse up here next <clears throat> is... 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 in the NASB version. I love it in this version because it's so true. Here's the goal of every Bible study. Here's the goal of every sermon. Here's the goal of every family devotion. Here's the goal of every time we read God's Word. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
What a great goal to have. If we would do that and say, Lord, I'm not just going to read the word, but I want you to apply it to my life. I want to learn from it, and I want to be profitable for you, Lord. Yes, there's on the only way to tell you really learn something in life is, number one, you know it, you show it, and then you can teach somebody else how to do it. That's how you really know it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to learn his way in a practical way so that we can be of value and blessing to others as well. An old Chinese proverb says, tell me, I'll forget. Show me, and I may remember. But involve me, and I'll understand. And that is so true. You know, if you get a teacher that shows you, that's great. But when you get them to sit down beside you, show you how to do it, and work with you and do it with you, it's a great thing. So we have three so far. A, C, T, and we're going to do the S now. Available, teachable, and then we had the clean. A, available, C, clean, and T, teachable. And the fourth one is the hardest one of all, to be surrendered. Now, if you know how wicked your own heart is and how wicked my own heart is, it's hard to surrender. It really is. I want my way, and I want it right now, and I'm going to hold on to it so tight. Stubborn. Stubbornness. So the opposite of being stubborn is being surrendered, and you let go. Because it's not worth fighting the Lord over. Remember, that's what Jacob went through. He wrestled with the Lord all night long. And you can imagine that wrestling match between the angel of the Lord and Jacob. Finally, Jacob says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And the Lord blessed Jacob. But it was a fight because it's the human will. Our human will, I think, is the strongest thing. It's stronger than iron. It's stronger than steel. It's stronger than any material you can think of. And it is slow to break. It's like, here is I, the I. To bend it into a C for Christ, it takes a lot of effort to bend that will. And we all know it because we have that old nature. But I like that hymn writer that said, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. That's how the song reads, but hear how it reads in our lives sometime. Some to Jesus I surrender. Some to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Some. Or we may say, we've grown a little bit. Most to Jesus I surrender. Most to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Though some doesn't work, the most doesn't work. The 99% doesn't work. God wants to get us to the place of brokenness and say, I surrender, Lord. I put up the white flag. I surrender my will to you. It's difficult, but I give it over to you. I take all my pride and I put it there before you. And that's hard to do. And you know, if you have a request that you make of the Lord, or you want to ask Him something, or something really important to you, a decision, and you go and you put it on the altar, and you say, Lord, here it is, I put on the altar, may your will be done. And if we just left it there, we would be fine. But what we do is we pray like that, and then the next day, here it is on the altar, <clears throat> right there, and I'm thinking, Lord, I need your help on this one. Please provide me. Please provide me. And then I start thinking, oh, there it is. I put it on the altar. 
Mm -mm -mm. But I may have to do something about this, Lord. I, I may have. So we start taking it back. We start worrying about it. I was really amazed at what Adam was sharing about his father the other day because he was telling us this story on Friday night. He was saying that his father taught him growing up, listen to this, that when you think about, the, think about this in life, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. This is what he's teaching the kid. And then when something doesn't happen that bad, you feel pretty good because I was expecting the very worst thing to happen. Well, guess what? His philosophy didn't work because now that anxiety and that stress and that worry has eaten him up, right? And now you can see it. The opposite of that is to go to Christ and not think of what the worst thing is to happen, but say, Lord, I'm putting it on the altar. And no matter what happens, you're going to take care of it. And so when you put it on the altar and leave it there, he gives you something back. Not that. He's not going to let you take that back. But instead of that, he's going to give you this. No, I can't find it. He's going to give you his peace instead. And wouldn't you rather have that than take it back and start thinking anxiety? I mean, that's a bad way to live. If you're going to think, well, the worst thing that could happen to me today is I could get into a car accident. I could be rushed to the hospital. I could be in critical condition. I could, they could tell me you're never going to walk again. I mean, why would you even want to think that way? Wouldn't you rather think, Lord, my day is in your hands. Whatever happens to me is fine. You're going to take care of me. I'm not going to worry about what the worst thing that's going to happen, but I'm going to say the best is yet to come. God is with me. And so when that happens, we can be so very blessed. There's a man named Joe Stowell who writes in the Daily Bread, and he's a great preacher and everything. And one day he was driving down his, his, in his car, and he saw this bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. And finally he had it. He said, I can't take this anymore. He said, this really troubles me. Whenever I'm in the driver's seat, he said, the destination is nowhere good. He said, Jesus is not meant to be a spiritual co-pilot, giving directions every now and then. He is meant to be in the driver's seat. He is meant to be the pilot. You know, since I've got this new car and I have this uh, GPS in it, not built in, but I have my own G GPS, if I don't want to hear the voice of that GPS, I don't plug it in. And so I'm driving along, getting lost and everything else because I didn't plug in the, the GPS. But when I plug it in and I plug in the coordinates, I get it right and I get to my destination. Sometimes in our lives, we don't want to hear. We want to do it our way. We want him only around when I need him. Jesus, you sit there in the passenger seat. And when I need a direction or I need some help, fine. I'll drive. I'll take care of this. Where do you end up? Crash. Crash. And we're not going to make it. But when Jesus is driving, oh boy, wouldn't that be great to have Jesus drive? And we just sit there and relax. That's what the Christian life is about. He wants to be in control, and he says, if I'm in control, then you can just have peace and, and relax, and I'll take care of you. But we say, Lord, it can't be that simple. can't be that easy. I must have to do something. No, surrender. It's a hard lesson to learn, but it's a great lesson to learn. We can live our lives two ways. We can live it our way, or we can live it God's way. If we live it God's way, it'll be bliss. If we live it our way, it'll be agony. And we can all say that we've all been there. 
Ron mentioned Andrew Murray. He was a great Scottish preacher. He said this, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. If I'm wholly yielded to him, he says, you give me the responsibility for your life, Dean? Don't worry, you're not going to crash. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to get there. You're going to get there through life safely and well. But we have to surrender. And that's hard. It's really hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But the will, it's our choice and our will, and we have to surrender. It's a place of surrender. And when you get saved and you surrender to the Lord, that's not the end of it. We have to surrender on a daily basis. We have to surrender on sometimes an hourly basis. We have to surrender sometimes by the minute and by the second because this old flesh wants its way and it rears up its ugly head and we have to subdue it. And then it rears up its ugly head again and we have to subdue it. But when we do surrender to the Lord, He will take over and take control of our lives. And He gives us that sweet peace that is such a blessing. You know, the Lord Jesus, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if you're willing, please remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus needed to pray for the Father's will, and he surrendered fully to the Father's will, how much more do we need to do it? We need to do it in our lives as well. Lord, help us in our lives. So to sum up, let's remember ACTS. Available, clean, teachable, and surrendered. Four simple things, but as simple as they are, they're hard. And as simple as they are, they involve the will. They involve our, our lives. So when we think about being available to the Lord this week, let's say, Lord, if you want to use me today, use me, Lord. If you want to use me tomorrow, use me, Lord. Help me not to get in the way of your purpose and your plan for my life. And then when it comes to being a clean vessel, that's something we have to do. We have to be clean. We have to be holy. We have to be prepared and ready to serve the Lord. And third, we have to be teachable. We have to say, Lord, whatever you teach me today, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn. Because it's real easy to listen, close the book, close the Bible, and go on our way unaffected. We don't want to be that way. We want to be teachable so that God will teach us what he wants us to learn. And finally, we want to be surrendered and say, Lord, take my will. Take my life. Take everything. I give it to you. I put it on the altar, and I'm not going to take it back. My life, my money, my job, my children, my neighbors, my health, everything and we all have so many things and we put it on the altar and we say Lord no matter what happens I'm still gonna follow you no matter what I go through you're still good to me and when we can say that then we can say thank you Lord he will make us useful for him available clean teachable and surrendered shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning Father, we're so thankful for the message of your word, and we just want to be used of you, Lord. We want to be able to touch others' lives in witnessing to them and, and telling them of the gospel, of being a blessing and helping people. Help us, Lord, not to get so busy in our lives that we don't have time to serve you. Help us to be clean vessels, Lord. Help us to be available. Help us to be teachable and surrendered to you. And we pray, Lord, that whatever your will is for us today, 
whatever it might be, that you will have your way in our hearts so that we can be your people, Lord, and we can be useful to the Master. Please use us to touch lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.